my, it is really getting close to Christmas, and uh, that is both good and that is bad. It is good because it's getting close to Christmas, right? Uh, and it is bad because it is getting close to Christmas. Uh, and, and some people in the room, how many would say, like, you're just like, man, I cannot wait for this year to be over. 2018 was not the best year ever. 2018, we could just see it go, see it go. Okay, well, it's good news for you because it's Christmas is near, which means New Year's is near, and it's going to be flipping over, and you always get a new year, and you can start over. Amen? Amen. You can start again, and it's brand new. Uh, and so God does not give up on us. God gives us hope. Every day is new. Y'all with me so far? Every single day is new. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I am one of the pastors here, and I'm so delighted that you are here. We are in the tail end of our Christmas series called uh, the, the Ghost of Christmas Past, Present, and future. How many have heard this kind of thing before, past, present, future? Uh, and the whole idea comes, of course, from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, you guys remember that Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol way back in the 1840s, a uh, runaway bestseller, and it was about an old man named Ebenezer Scrooge, and Scrooge loved nobody and loved only what? Money. He loved money, and he was visited by three different ghosts, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, and they took him on a tour of his life, and they showed him the sum total of who he was, and it was not pretty, and he had to make a decision about his future, and so I want to talk to you a little bit today about our future. Um, you know, we've been talking about our past and, uh, and some of the grudges, some of those things that we're, that we're still carrying through our life from our past, right? Those things back there somewhere. And, and we talked about our, our past and then we talked about the present shame that we lived with. Uh, anybody here for that week? Anybody on our video campus, you, you, you were here for this? Uh, this idea that we carry shame through our life and God wants to deal with that. God wants us to rise above that, amen? He wants that to change and to go forward in our life. And, and today I wanna talk to you about the future and what life is supposed to look like for us. And, and so here's what I like to do at both of our campuses. I want to pray and I want to ask God to visit with us, to open our hearts. And friends, look at me. Uh, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your soul. I don't know if you believe or if you don't believe. Uh, but for crying out loud, you're in church. So you might as well listen. You might as well listen with an open heart. And you might as well ask God to speak directly to you. Because I believe that he wants to do that. So at both of our campuses, just for a moment, let's humble our hearts before God and ask him to speak into our, our souls. Uh, Father in heaven, we take just a moment and uh, we, we pause and we ask God that you would invade our space right now. Uh, God, with all of the craziness and all of the busyness and all of the stress of life, I pray, God, that somehow you would intersect with us as individuals sitting right here. Um, I pray that your spirit would speak, God. We say, speak, oh God, for your child is listening. Amen? Amen. Well, I think uh, when many people think about their future, I think it's filled uh, way too often with this thing called worry, uh, with fear and anxiety. It's a major problem. And if we were to go around our uh, gatherings and we were to ask people, do you struggle with fear? Do you struggle with anxiety? Do you, do you struggle with worry about your tomorrow? 
I think you would be shocked at how many people would say, yeah, that's a real deal in my life. What is going to happen tomorrow? What is going to go on in my life? And it is a real deal. I was doing a little research about this, about this idea of worry and anxiety and depression, and it's huge. It literally blew my mind how deep this is in the fabric of the soul of humanity. Anxiety, get this, experts tell us that a full one out of every six people in America, listen to this, are diagnosed, literally have a doctor's diagnosis of some form of anxiety or depression. One out of six. You think about that. They say that a full one out of five or 20% of the adult population struggles with some sort of either severe to mild, mild to severe form of anxiety which leads to depression so often. It is a real, real deal. Um, and, and this just comes from the prescription records. This is what's so staggering. A full 20% of the entire adult population, listen to this, 20% of the entire adult population is on some sort of legal prescription mind-altering medication for depression or anxiety. And if experts can be believed, they tell us that another nearly 10% of the entire adult population uh, comes around this thing called alcohol or drugs or marijuana to somehow alter their mind and their mood. So you put those numbers together, that's about one out of three people do something on a daily level to change their outlook in the future. That's why they're doing this, right? is because they look into their future and they think there is little hope that they need help or that they're so stressed out that anxiety is so real and so deep in our life. As a matter of fact, um, every single year they do the top uh, gathering of all of the medications in the market and uh, right up near the top every year for as far back as can be remembered, uh, Taxol and Zoloft have been in the top 10 grossing over five and a half billion dollars annually in sales. So friends, listen, this isn't just a big deal. This is big business. And it's not just a big deal out in the world. It's a big deal even in our little church. This idea of anxiety, this idea of worry is a really big, big thing. Uh, so Merry Christmas. Uh, welcome to church, right? I'm so glad I came, honey. This is depressing. This is wonderful. Um, matter of fact, listen, let's talk about this a little bit. I've heard it said, uh, I've heard it said that either uh, you're coming out of a storm or you're in the middle of a storm or a storm is waiting for you just around the corner. Does anybody feel that to be true? I mean, that just seems how life rolls for us, right? We're either, in the, uh, we're either just coming out of something that's deep and troublesome in our life uh, that really captivated us and held us and, and knocked us off of our game, or we're in the middle of it right now, or if you live long enough, if you take enough breaths, if you have enough days left in you, it's, another storm is just around the corner. It's true, friends. Um, it, it's true not only out there, it's true in our world. Oftentimes, we live facing big, big storms. Have you ever been in a big storm, friends? 
Have you been in a big storm? I, I think most of us have been caught in a big storm. Uh, my brother, my kid brother, he moved to Florida a couple of years ago. Uh, and I don't know why anybody moves to Florida. I, I just don't. Listen, I know it's freezing here and it's like 80 there. I get it right now. But listen, six months of the year, those people live in 200 degree weather and it is pure humidity. Okay, like they have to swim outside even though they're not in the water. I mean, it is ridiculous, right? And, and listen, they grow bugs. Like we grow mosquitoes and we think we, they, their mosquitoes are like six inches big. It's ridiculous. And, and then of course, uh, they have alligators, right? And, and every, so I don't know why anybody moves to Florida. Listen, uh, every single year on the news, you hear of some innocent kid just getting eaten up by an alligator. Where's Johnny been? Well, little Johnny was out walking one day and this 12-foot alligator just came out of the ditch and ate him. God rest his soul. What? Why would anybody live there? It's crazy. And then they have this thing called a hurricane every once in a while, right? It's crazy, right? And, and of course, you guys know how they name the hurricanes. They always name them after, you know, nice names, like a lot of lady names, like, uh, uh, what, what, what are some of them? Uh, Katrina, Betsy, Irma, as if naming it after some nice woman is going to make the thing any less fierce, right? If they were real, they would name them like Tempest, the destroyer, the, you know, the evil one personified in water. I mean, it's crazy, right? Uh, but who would live there? So my brother moves there. And uh, a couple years ago, when he first gets there, uh, they had this little uh, hurricane that came through called Irma. Anybody remember this? And uh, he lives in Naples, and, uh, and, and Naples was the eye of the storm. I mean, it was like ground zero for this thing. And of course, I'm on the phone with him. And I'm like, bro. You, have you looked at the news? You gotta get out of there. Now he's brand new to this whole hurricane thing. And he's like, well, it's not so bad. I mean, it's getting a little windy. And you know, I'm like, dude, it's going to kill you. You got to get out of there. Now, listen, I get it when you're new to the hurricane thing and you don't kind of realize, you know, just how bad they are. And he's got a business right down by the ocean and, and he didn't want to leave his shop. And I get all that, you know, but, but I'm like, you got to get out of there to save your life. Are you crazy? And so he's not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do. Then all of a sudden last second you know uh the storm that is so far out there suddenly what starts hitting shore right and you're kind of going mm, we should probably start to rethink this whole thing being from michigan i mean this whole deal like they're, they're, they're serious about these hurricanes down here and so he decides like literally one million other last minute people he decides we should probably leave and so uh he gets in a car packs up his stuff and and uh they start to drive north on the freeway and he literally calls me from the freeway and i don't know if you saw it on the news but he calls me and literally he says we are like a parking lot on the freeway heading north out of the state. It's insane. He's like, literally, we have been here for five hours and haven't gone more than a mile. He says, as a matter of fact, the southbound of the highway has been turned to be northbound and all lanes are heading out of the state and everything is crammed. He said he had to go uh, all the way up to Virginia, I think it was, before he found a hotel. Before he found a hotel. So friends, let me ask you, have you ever been caught in a hurricane? Have you ever been caught in a storm? At the, at the moment it, it's coming, oftentimes it doesn't seem that big of a deal, right? Um, and Aaron said like on the phone, he's like, oh no, it's kind of pretty, it's kind of cool. I'm like, what? You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal until it what? Until it hits, until it hits shore. Uh, friends, listen, you're either coming out of a storm or you're in the middle of one of these storms. 
or one that's just waiting for you around the corner. And the question is, is what do we do with pain that is real? How do we face the future with, with junk that is so real? What do we do when the storm hits? And unfortunately for many people, when it comes to their relationship with God, when a storm hits, here's what happens. Listen to me. We blame God. We, we put our finger up at God and we say, why are you allowing this to happen to me? We blame God. Um, so friends, I want you to maybe think about this. I want you to write this down. Uh, maybe take a picture of this because this is life-changing. Never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow, let me say this again, never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So if, if you could today, uh, I would love for you to get your smartphone out, uh, get a Bible out, get a Bible app out, and I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27 with me. Now remember, the book of Acts records some of the actions, the book of Acts, actions of the earliest followers of Jesus. And if you remember, if you've studied this at all, if you've looked into this at all, uh, there were some storms that the early followers of Jesus really had to go through. And so I want to dial into one, Acts chapter 27. If you got a Bible, just uh, turn to Acts 27. Or if you got a smartphone, Google Acts 27, and it's a miracle. It'll just come right up for you, okay? Um, so let me set the stage for you, uh, Acts 27. Uh, there is this storm, and there is this ship in the middle of the storm. It's in the Mediterranean. It's just off the coast of the island called Crete. And a guy named Paul, one of the great leaders, one of the great uh, church planters and starters, uh, one of the great pastors, one of the great men of God, he's on this boat, and this storm is is going crazy, and the people on this boat were afraid, and they're tossing uh, cargo off the boat. They're trying to keep the doggone thing afloat, and they think they are literally going to die. Pause again. Have you ever been in the middle of a storm, and you just didn't know what to do? Hmm. I think so. So here's what it says. Acts chapter 27, verse 20, it says this. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. Pause just for a moment. Um, talk about these storms that we've been in in life. And I'm not talking about rain. Have you ever gotten to the point where there is no light? Right? Where you just feel there is no light at the end of the tunnel. The stars aren't shining anymore. Uh, it seems like God has gone dark on you. Life has gone dark. And you're just looking going, I don't see a good ending to this at all. I don't see any way out of this. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. And it says that, uh, it says that uh, the, the storm continued to rage until what? It says, we finally gave up all, what is this word? Hope. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, that phrase really gets to me because, you know, I, I talk to people all the time it's in my office or around the church here, and they've gotten to this point where there is no more hope, where they don't feel uh, that even God's hand could reach in and potentially save them. They said, there is no way that our marriage is going to make it. There is no way that I'll ever climb out of this financial hole that I'm in. There is no way that we're ever going to beat this cancer. There's no way uh, that I'm ever going to find somebody. I've lived my whole life alone, and, and it's, I just don't see that changing. Uh, we're never, ever going to be able to conceive a child. Uh, after what happened, I'm never going to be able to afford to pay this college debt off or to graduate from college. Uh, whatever it is, there's this point that so many of us get to 
where we say, I just have no what? Hope of being saved. Uh, so it says that the storm continues to rage. There was no light at the end of their tunnel. And it says that they gave up all hope. And then look, look at this, verse 21. It says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up and said to the men, he said, men, you should have taken my advice and not set sail for Crete. Then you would have been spared, you would have spared yourself all of this damage and this loss. Now, don't you hate it when somebody uh, says, I told you so. Come on, anybody? Don't you hate those people? I hate those people. I told you so. But Paul stands right up and boldly says, I told you so. If you guys would have listened to me, none of this would be happening now. I told you the weather was bad. I told you that the waves were rough. I could read the sea. I know what was going to happen. I didn't have a good feeling about this. And I told you so. And you didn't listen to me. You should have listened to me. Uh, friends, I want you to think about this. Why were they in this storm in the first place? They were in this storm because it was their fault. They made a decision to go out in an environment that was risky, that they were warned about. Paul says, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And they went. Anyways, have you ever noticed that so many times in Christian circles, uh, you, you, you hear this kind of phrase, uh, the devil did it. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah. Devil made me do it. Or the devil's at it again. Listen, Christians, we need to stop saying that. Because the vast majority of time, most of the time, it's not the devil's fault, it's your own dumb fault, right? It's true, it's your own fault. It's my fault that we're in the middle of something, right? Because, uh, uh, and some of you right now, you're going, amen to that, Pastor Jay, and you're nudging him right next to you. Do not nudge your husband in church, right? Uh, some of you are going, listen to the man, son. He's right. Sometimes it is your own dumb fault fault. Uh, sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you spent too much money and you knew it when you were spending it. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because the emotions that you have, they got away from you and you bowed to those emotions and you did something, you said something, and now you're paying the price for that. Some of you in that moment, you've ended up with a child that way with somebody that you don't even love. Because the emotions got ahead of you and you did something in the storm is your fault. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you procrastinated and you put things off and, and you go, it's the devil's fault. You go, no, it ain't the devil's fault. It's your fault that you stayed up all night eating pizza and drinking beer, right? Instead of cracking the books and doing what you're supposed to do. It's your own dumb fault that you put off that project at work and you expected it to be great, but you waited to the last minute and it cannot be great when you wait until the last minute. And so it is your fault, right? In our future sometimes seems very uncertain um, and it looks like nothing good is going to happen, but a storm is coming ahead, right? Uh, because it's your fault. Everybody else warns you, do not date him. Your mama told you, do not date him. Your daddy even got involved and said, do not date him. Your pastor, for crying out loud, said, do not date him. He's dumb, right? Your, your fortune cookie, your friends, everyone around you said, do not date him. But here's what you said. You said, oh, he's got so much potential. He's got so much upside. There's so much good. Yeah, he's got good potential to ruin your life is what he's got, right? And you chose to go forward when all wisdom was saying, don't do it. Listen, 
So many times, friends, we gotta stop blaming God and we gotta stop blaming the devil and we gotta put the blame where it belongs. It's our dumb fault. Listen, nobody likes to admit it and our entire culture has gone off the deep end blaming everybody but ourselves what's wrong in our life. But listen, friends, I don't know about you, but when the moment hits and when the hammer comes down and I realize this is my fault, those are the scariest moments of life, right? Because I can believe easier that God will get me out of something that God got me into than can God get me out of something that I got myself into because I don't feel I need or deserve a rescue when it's my fault. So much of what we face is because it's our own fault. Uh, But what does the scripture say? It, It says that not everything, though, is your fault. Listen, not every storm is your fault. It goes on and it paints a little bit different picture because I want you to think about this. Um, it, it, the storm is raging. Uh, they gave up hope for survival. And I want you to think about all the people on that boat. I don't know how big the crew was, uh, but there's probably you know, several guys on the crew and, and they all didn't probably think it was a great idea to go out there. I don't know who made the decision, the captain or somebody made the call and they had to follow whatever their boss was saying and now they're out in the middle of a sea and it is truly not their fault. It is somebody else's decision. How many of you in this room would care to admit, how many on video today, how many at our other campus would say, you know what? I've been through storms that were truly not my fault. They were truly not my fault. I didn't plan for them. I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't me at all. It was somebody else. And some of you are looking down the aisle right now like, yep, it's his fault right there. It's his fault. Friends, it's true. Sometimes a marriage can go completely off the rails and it not be your fault at all. It's somebody else's sin. It's somebody else's destruction destructive nature. It's somebody else's uh, lack of forethought or lack of caring or lack of love. And and there are times it's truly not your fault. Think about kids. If you're a young person in this room and your parents are divorced and you feel like it's a storm, it's not your fault. I can tell you that one of the biggest storms of my life was when my parents got a divorce. And it changed me. And it changes me even to this day. It still affects me. Even to this day, and I'm 48 years old. Um, Or maybe somebody didn't deliver and it wasn't your fault. They promised something or they said they were going to pay you or they were going to hire you or they were going to do this or do that and and they did not come through and now there is this storm raging around you. But let me tell you something, friends. Sometimes the storm is your fault. Listen, sometimes the storm is your fault and sometimes the storm is not your fault, but never let the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Sometimes it is, that's so good, you need to say that again. I will say that again. Sometimes the storm is your fault. Knock it off, change. But other times the storm is not your fault. But no matter what, do not let the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. He is never far. He has never left you alone. Uh, Here's what it says in verse 22. Now, you gotta love this. It says, but now, Paul just said, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. But he goes, but now I urge you to keep your courage. And I wanna say something to you here. Uh, In in the middle of this storm, I don't know what you're facing, but you're probably facing something because it seems like you're always facing something. I wanna tell you, keep your courage. 
Keep your faith. Keep looking at God. Keep running after God. Keep your eyes fixed on something greater than the storm that you're in right now. It says this, but I want to urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Did anybody in the room hear that? It says, keep up your courage because not one of you will be what? Lost. Your business, it might be lost. Your, your promotion, it might be lost, but you will not be lost. Your health at some point might be lost, but you will not be lost. You might lose your, your marriage, your, your friendship, your, 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 uh, your circle of influence. But listen, it does not mean that you are lost. Come on. Come on. You hear me? And, and here's why. And here's why. It says, keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. And then Paul says something crazy. He says, last night, while the storm was going crazy, while you were thinking like, this is it, this is over, I'm throwing my stuff overboard just to keep the ship afloat a little while longer. He says, listen, while you were sleeping last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. Oh my, somebody needs to preach something right here. And since you pay me to preach, I think I'm gonna preach about this for a minute. Because did anybody hear that? It says, last night, my money stood by me. No. Last night, my mama stood by me. No. Last night, uh, my, my, my good-looking car that was in my good-looking driveway in front of my real good-looking house stood by me last night. No. Oh, my good name, my good education, my good position in life. The applause of men stood by me last night. No, what does it say? It says, it says that, that last night, an angel of God stood by me. Right there, this is what, I get this. Uh, some, some people make you, when you hear this kind of thing, this is what makes Christians seem really weird, right? They're nice, but they're weird. Right? Christians are nice, but they're weird. And this is one of those things. See, some of you believe you came into this room and it's just you and me. We're hanging out. Right? Some of you came into this space thinking it's just you and the peeps in this room. And this is going to sound crazy. This is going to sound weird. I know it sounds weird. But I know that it's not just me and you. I know that God is among us. His spirit is among us. And sometimes that spirit comes in the form of angels that where, where God says there is a different presence in the room. And so some of y'all think you're so bad and tough, but I got me a big old angel right behind me and y'all better not mess with me because God's presence is here. And I don't know if that comes in the form like of an angel all the time. Sometimes it's seen, sometimes it's not seen. I get all that. But I can tell you what, I don't know what that looks like every time. But I can tell you what, you are never alone because God's spirit is with you. God's spirit is guiding you. God's spirit is among you. And he, he never leaves. He never abandons you. Even when it's storming outside, even when it's raging outside, he doesn't just go, oh, too bad, too bad, too bad. Sucks to be you. He says, I am with you. God's spirit, God's presence is with you. Um, God's presence is with you in the storm. 
I know that for certain, friends. I know that for certain. Anybody, anybody want a free verse? Anybody just want a bonus verse? Yeah. Can we just go out of this passage? Let me just give you a bonus verse. At, the, at our video campus, say, let me just give you a bonus verse. This is a free one. This is incredible. It says this, Paul, this great leader, this great man of God, this man who taught me so much about faith and taught many of you so much about faith. He, he, he says it like this to this young pastor named Timothy, and this is in the second book of Timothy. So he waits for the good stuff to the second book. He's like, give him a whole bunch in the first book, but he goes, I got something else to tell you, and it's going to be big. It's going to be big. I need to write a second chapter to you, a second uh, book to you, a second letter to you. And so he says this, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. He says, no one, he says, when the storm was raging, not this storm, he's in, talking about a life storm, when I was being persecuted for my faith, when they were arresting me for my faith, it says this, no one came to my what? Support. One version says, no one came to my defense. And it says, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against him. He's like, I don't even care. He's like, oh, they could all turn their back. I mean, I don't even care. Woo. Think about that. He says, everybody can abandon me. It doesn't even matter to me. He goes, I'll tell you why it doesn't matter to me. Check this out. He goes, but the Lord, what? Stood by me. Come on. But God stood with me. When everything else was crashing, who stood? God stood. Who stood? The Lord stood, Right? He says, though everything else had abandoned me, everybody else had abandoned me, my, my job was canceled, my, my, uh, my friends left, my, my wife even left, for crying out loud. Listen, God did not leave me. God stood by me and gave me what? Strength. And some of you right now need to realize this, that in the middle of your storm, whatever it is that you are going through, the Lord God has not left you. He is still by your side. And he promises to give you something that you do not have. This thing called strength. Uh, David said in the Old Testament part of the Bible, he goes, I know the Lord God of heaven is with me and provides strength when I need it. He helps me to stand when everything in me wants to fall, right? Um, when, when you know that God is with you, it changes your mindset. When you know that his spirit is among you and upon you, it changes how you live and how you act and how you think and how you move and what decisions you make. And it takes this thing called worry and anxiety and it rearranges it in our soul somehow. I remember growing up one time when I was a kid, it had to be about, I don't know, mid-elementary age or something like that. I was walking after school and I had a terrorist that lived in our neighborhood. His name was David and he was my personal terrorist. And he was always picking on me. You can ask my mama about this. He was always picking on me and he would throw me into the ditch and sometimes the ditch would be full of water and he would knock me over for no reason at all. And, 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 and David could whoop me. This is all there is to it. He was bigger than me. He was tougher than me. He was meaner than me, and he could throw me around any time he wanted. So one day, uh, true story, you can, uh, again, ask my mama about this. It's true. Uh, he throws me into this ditch that's full of water and muck, and I go home running, crying, because my mom said I was always running home crying. And I go home, and I'm like, David, beat me up again and throw me in the ditch. And my big brother, Bobby, my big brother, Bobby, said he did what again? And he had just about enough of the terrorist David. And he goes outside. And he was bigger than David. And he was badder than David. 
And he was tougher than David, and in that moment, he was meaner than David. And he goes out and whoops David. Amen, glory to God. Right? Now, when you think about this, next time I'm walking down the street, and I see little old David there, how do you think my actions were? What do you think? Was I, was I going to the other side of the street that time? Was I saying on my side of the sidewalk? No, I'm like strutting it down the middle of the street because I'm like, do you know who my brother is? Do you know who? And I'm like, Bob, you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because it changes when you know who is with you. It changes when you're in a presence of somebody greater than you, right? And let me tell you something, friends. This is what God promises to us, is that your mind needs to change, your actions need to change, your fear and your anxiety, your worry about the future, it needs to change because your confidence is not in who you are, it is in the greatness and the glory and the power and the strength of God. That is what it is, friends. It's about who's in the boat in the middle of the storm. There's another uh, free verse I'm going to give you. It's found in the book of Matthews and, uh, Matthew. And uh, Jesus was in the boat with a bunch of his disciples. And I don't know if you remember this story, but one time they're out and the, the sea is going crazy. And these dudes were all like professional fishermen. They're like on the boat all the time. And so they're out doing their thing and a storm comes up and it's a bad storm. And Jesus is below bell, uh, boat on like, a, on like a nice firm mattress. He's like, snoozing it out down there. He's like, ooh, I'm loving this. The boat's rocking him to sleep. But the guys up top, they see the waves and they see it's crashing over and they get to this point, these experienced fishermen get to the point and they say, we are gonna die. And they are afraid. And they are, it says they are terrified. And so they start calling out to God for help. And then eventually one of them goes, hey, hey, we got Jesus on board. Maybe we should inform him that we are going to die. And so they go down, they're like, hey, Jesus. Hey, hey Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we're going to die, right? And, and they freak out, and, and, and Jesus gets up, and he's like, what are you guys so crazy about? He's like, uh, the boys are going, uh, the waves are coming over the boat, and our boat's starting to sink, and it's scary, and we're way out in the middle, and... What do you mean, what are, what are we afraid about? We're, we're afraid we're going to die for crying out loud. And Jesus does two things. He looks at these guys. And the first thing he says is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? In other words, don't you know who is with you? Haven't you seen me do anything for you in the past? Haven't you ever seen my glory, my strength, my power come through in your life and you don't think I could do it again? Do you think I brought you th this far just to let you go down with the ship? He says, where is your faith? And then I love this. He gets to the edge of the boat and he looks over and the water's crashing in and he just says, shalom. Shalom, which means peace, be still. And he wasn't just speaking to the, the waves. He was speaking the truth over our life. He says he is the commander of peace. 
He is the one who can bring peace in your life when everything is moving and everything is shaking. He says, shalom to you. Peace be upon you. Peace be with you. Amen? Amen. Um, friends, Jesus says, peace is not about your, the storm. Peace is about who you're with. You see the difference? Peace has nothing to do with what's going on. Peace is something internal. Peace is something bigger than that. Uh, one of the great preachers uh, in, in uh, the last generation, really, and has ushered uh, a, a new era of the church in is a guy named John MacArthur. And uh, he would say it like this. He would say, real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Anybody? You may want to take a picture of that one and like put that up somewhere because that is so good. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace will never be found in a trouble-free life. You will never have a trouble-free life by following Jesus. Uh, this just ticks me off to no end. Uh, we watch these crazy TV preachers and, and they, 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 they preach a gospel that says if you follow Jesus... You will be happy and wealthy and wise. And you'll have perfect hair and nice, nice white teeth, right? That's a bunch of baloney. The prosperity gospel is a bunch of baloney. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it like this. This is what Jesus himself says to us. If you're not clear about it, listen to Jesus. He says, in this world, you will have a really good time. He says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. Storms are going to come your way. But he says, here's the game plan. It's not about the storm. He says, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. It's not about the storm. It's about who's with you in the storm. It's not about the wreck of your life. It's about who can carry you through the wreck. It's not about uh, damage control. It's about the one who can control everything. You hear me, friends? It's about the one who is with you. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. He is with me. He is right beside me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And I don't care what all you all do. He is with me. And so Paul says this. He says, last night, let's go back to this verse. He says, last night, an angel of, of the Lord God, to whom I belong and to whom I serve, stood beside me and said, I love this, do not be afraid, Paul. He said, don't be afraid. One six, one out of six Americans get up every day and there's a fear that drives them so much so. And I don't know where it's all from. I, I'm not making any judgments whatsoever. I'm just saying there is a fear that drives them to take medicine that has to alter their mind. And God knows that this is part of the human story. God knows that this is the struggle of humanity. And so over and over, the number one command in all of the scripture is, do not be what? Afraid. Say this again. Do not be. Do not be. Do not be. Don't be scared. I'm with you. Why? Not because you're tough, because I am with you. Not because you're good, but I am with you and I have big plans for you. He says, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Ha, <laughs> that's great. I'm gonna get you through this storm so that you can go and stand in front of the emperor of the world. It's gonna be great, Paul. 
it's going to be great. Paul's like, okay, whatever you want, God, because I know that you are with me. It's not about the absence of storm. It's about the presence of Jesus. Y'all with me? It says this, and God graciously has given you the lives of everybody that has sailed with you. So he's like saying, in other words, uh, you're not done with the battle, Paul. Uh, these other folks are not done with the battle. God has more battles for you to fight. Somebody needs to hear this in the room today because you are not going down with the ship. You have another battle to fight. You are not done with this deal. Somebody once said it like this. Uh, if you're not dead, then you are not done. If you are not dead, then you are not done. Um, little side note, this is totally free. I won't charge you for this one at all. Um, I, I say it like this. I will not die until God is done with me. And so the key to a long life is to stay useful to God. Amen. You think about it. You think about it. The ship may go down, but the storm will not take you out. God might even say, you got more storms to face. Storms don't surprise God. God does his best work in you during a storm because that's when we get to the edge of the boat and go, Jesus, won't you help us? Right? And God wants to produce what? Faith inside of us. He wants to grow us up. I heard a, a great preacher uh, once say it like this. He says, uh, God wants to uh, build deep before he builds high. Right? And storms provide a real fertile ground for that. Storms do something that, that, that ushers in something new in our life. We can think differently uh, after a storm passes in our life. I remember uh, my brother, after uh, he returned to Naples and the hurricane and all that kind of stuff uh, had come through, I was on the phone with him and I was like, what's it like now? He said, it's really a weird feeling. He said, it's so beautiful and it's so clean. The storm just cleaned everything, if you know what I mean, right? Have you ever felt that after a storm, there's just a different feeling in the air? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He says, after a hurricane, you have no idea. He says, oh yeah, there's all kinds of damage, but there's a different feeling in the air. Storms do something, friends. They allow us to grow. And so Paul says it like this. He says, so, so keep your courage. Uh, so keep your courage. Listen, he says, for I have faith in God. So keep your courage, men. So keep your courage, men. Listen, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. My, my faith is, is not in what people say. My faith is not in my money. My faith is not in my education. My faith is not in you. It is not in this church. It is not in a band. It is not in my wife. It is not in my friends. It is not in my career. My faith is in God. My faith is in him. And he says, have courage, friend, for my faith is in God. My faith is in the one who creates even the wind and the storms of life. That's what my faith is. Um, David said it like this. Uh, I think, it, what, what chapter is it? Uh, chapter 46 of the book of Psalm. He, he says it like this. He says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not what? Fear, because listen, it is about the one who is with you, not about the storm. He, it's about the one who's present, not about what's happening in your life. See? So he says, therefore, we will not have fear, though the earth give way. Listen to this. Though everything starts to shake around you, everything is hard, everything is scary, everything seems broken. He says, though the earth begins to quake and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and though its waters roar and they foam and the mountains quake with surging, he goes, I will not fear. 
because you are my strength. You are my refuge. Amen. Friends, I want you to hear me on this. Um, even if I lose my job, even if the relationships you have are lost around you, even if the economy crashes, even if, uh, even if everything seems to head south in your life, it says, I will not be afraid. Why? Because he is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is what I need. He is more than what I need. He is my safety. He is my strength. If I ever get sick, really sick, he is still with me. He is still my comforter. He is still my healer. He is my righteousness. He is all that is good in my life because, listen, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother to me. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is the living bread of which I eat. He is the water of life on which I drink. Listen, peace is found not in a storm, it's found in the one who is with you in the storm. Amen? And it says that it says at Christmas time it says the virgin will be with a child. Merry Christmas. Because God's going to give you a gift. And you shall name that child Emmanuel. Which literally is translated God with us. This is the glory of Christmas. This is the point of Christmas is that you can face the future because you're not alone. You're not alone. He is with you. And some of you have forgotten that. And some of you look back in your life and you're thinking like God did something way back then but I don't know where he is now. Oh, come on, people. Come on. He has never forgotten you. He is present with you. And he can do it again. And again. And again. And again. Because it is not about the storm. It's about the one who is in the storm with you.